0: Welcome into another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I am your host. No, 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 wait a minute. We are your hosts. I am Lupe Ramirez, and with me for the first time in I don't know how many episodes is Mr. Daniel Guevara. What up, what up? How does it feel to be back on the Varsity Breakdown Podcast, episode 50 of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast?
1: man it's crazy we got to 50 but it finally uh it's good to finally be back you know it feels like I've been gone a lot longer than what I intended to be but I know uh there were some good things done while I was gone uh, you know out at the all-star game and whatnot but uh you know I'm glad to be back I'm glad football's back and we're ready to really uh buckle down when it comes to bringing people some uh updates when it comes to football.
0: And and we'll get into that, but let's talk about your experience out in Seattle. What was it like to cover the All-Star Game for baseball? Because previously, you've actually worked football games. So what was the atmosphere change like going from the NFL to MLB?
1: Actually, I liked it a lot more. It's uh, more fan-friendly engagements. Uh, it's not as chaotic as far as the work days were concerned. And I actually got to experience the home run derby and you know a little bit of the all-star game as well and so i didn't really get to enjoy that moment when it was a football season or the super bowl or anything like that it was kind of like you're on the run you know you're on the clock go 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 where baseball is like once you got your stuff done you had time to uh degress and relax a little bit and kind of enjoy the show while you were there and you know being able to meet people like alex rodriguez uh Derek jeter and uh big poppy you know, just it, it felt great uh, just to have that experience because I didn't get a lot of that during uh, football. So just the experience overall, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the city of Seattle is interesting. The weather uh, kind of changes on its own. You, you start out, it'd be a sunny day. All of a sudden, the clouds would roll in, start raining. And then by the end of the day, the sun's back out. So never knew what to expect, kind of like going into your days. But overall, I think baseball is kind of like something i could see myself diving into a little bit more especially when it comes to uh covering it but i wasn't the only one busy you were busy uh yourself uh, covering a lot of uh, athletes while i was gone both current athletes and athletes that have went off to college how was that experience for you uh being not only by yourself but to get to know uh, these players on a more personal level it was
0: totally different to be honest because Having you by my side to start a show or to do a show is, is the, the norm. But with you not being here and covering events by myself, like, for example, like covering the KDP camp, sitting at a table by myself, you know, waiting, you know, for the guests to come on was totally different because usually I have you there by my side and we're talking and things going back and forth, recording, whatnot. Um, but it was totally different. But it, it was great to actually get there and actually sit down and have a pod with Marcus Washington the first D1 athlete on our show, and, and it was good to get to know him, to, to learn more about the athlete than what's written and what's on the internet. And then, of course, right after him, I, I got to speak with Aunt Angel and D, and that was an episode that I was looking forward to a lot. And then, of course, afterwards, getting to talk to Leland and Connor and, and then Emilio afterwards. I know it was totally different going from football to baseball, I feel like it did a lot for me, not only as a podcaster, but as an interviewer as well to, to get, to know somebody on a deeper level, especially than just, you know, on, uh, uh, a,
1: a, like social media on or a anything. social
0: media basis. Yeah.
1: No. And I definitely, enjoy, uh, and I definitely enjoyed every episode, uh, you know, uh, to sit there and. And learn things about players that you wouldn't normally have that opportunity to or you know when the season's going on it's kind of hard to find time to sit with these players and kind of get to know them on that level but I definitely felt educated uh, you know with your interview so I think you did a great job uh, interviewing all those players and I think that's something we want to kind of keep going you know as we get through football and And players uh, either are coming home for the holidays or they're making their commitments and just sitting down wondering what persuaded them to go to a certain school how that school has helped shape uh, them not only as a student but as an athlete and as an adult as a you know a person as well so definitely going to be looking forward to covering those uh, through the later part of the season but before we get into what happened last week with our 2A and 3A teams, being that it's episode 50, it's a big episode for us, a big accomplishment. Didn't think we'd be uh, you know, 50 episodes in by now. You know, some might do it a lot faster, but just having that time to sit down and actually record things and keep people updated. We do have an update uh regarding what we're going to be covering uh for the remainder of this season. And one of them pertains to basketball. Do you want to elaborate on that?
0: Yeah. Uh, one thing that we had to come in agreement on, and, and it was it was something that we speculated for a while. Um, after this football season, we are going to forego covering basketball and just wait until baseball and softball season uh, comes around. The reason being that basketball starts towards the end of football season by the time when playoffs are done if we're lucky to follow a team to a state championship which we'll get into later i have a feeling we're going to have a team that makes it that far the basketball season schedule is not kind to us we're mm-hmm. about 10-15 games deep and then i feel like we don't give enough equal attention to the basketball athletes as we normally would with other sports We've, we, we've discussed this uh, before, possibly, you know, rotating sports, you know, so that we can continue covering basketball in the future. But this season in particularly, we're just going to forego basketball and take the winter time to to build our 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 projects as far as, as as far as production for our our games. And then as at the same time, prepare for fundraising for the uh, scholarship as well, because we're doing that again this year. And I feel like without having to rush right into the basketball season and then rush right out of it for softball and baseball, I think we'll do a better service to our county and
1: the student athletes as a whole. No, I definitely would agree, you know, and then you got to take into consideration it falls right into a holiday season, which, you know, we both have families, we both can't make it to come together at times just due to those circumstances, and you know, like I said, we want to be able to give the best that we can, you know, not only for football but basketball and any other sport we cover and I think the the gap in between to have time to prepare for like a spring sport is only gonna do better service and you know I think that's one of the things people don't realize is baseball and softball is a very hard sport to cover. You know, especially with us now doing broadcasting, you know, you got a a game start at four o'clock. That's, you know, parents don't even get off at that time to even really make it to a game. Mm -hmm. And so for us to be able to prepare for that and give baseball and softball the equal opportunity as we've done for other sports, I think it's going to be very beneficial, especially when you think about highlight films and, you know, huddle and those type of things football and basketball get that covered a lot where baseball and softball don't get those opportunities because you don't know where to set up a camera or you don't know how to bring a production to a baseball game without risking your equipment getting damaged in the process. So, you know, um, like I said, maybe in the future we can come back and say, hey, you know what, now is the time we have enough to sit back and actually give the same – focus uh to basketball but like you said that overlap in the schedule with teams making the playoffs by the time we get to basketball it's like the season's almost halfway over and I don't think we're doing a service to those student athletes who you know expect a lot more from us but you know in time we'll see how it goes but why don't we dive right into uh, week one which happened uh, last week I know we kind of wanted to uh, get on a podcast but with our current uh, work schedules it didn't pan out that way but now we're able to kind of dive into what happened between the 2a and 3a teams that played last week so let's dive into our game of the week you had a uh, Sabino taking on Coolidge and Sabino ended up coming out victorious 55 to twenty-eight. What was your overall thought on the game, and how do you feel like Coolidge fared when taking on a high-caliber team like Sabino, who uh, most say is the 3A favorite so far?
0: My overall thoughts on the game were it was definitely interesting to, to view from beginning to end, beginning even before the whistle there was some type of commotion when when the players took the field and some back and forth between both teams which is which is kind of expected when you look at both teams and the type of environment that that you know that that first game is you know you want to set the tone you want you want to establish dominance and i feel like the actions that the sabercats took at the beginning of the game actually went into their favor because there was a little time where they were coming up rocky. They had a couple of miss punts, or not, excuse me, not miss punts, uh, miss snaps. And uh, it could have been really costly for them. But then there were some times where there was some extensive time on the officiating and, and, and calls from the officials that extended the play so far that it, it just, it, it bit the bear in the behind, but... I feel like the Bears answered when they needed to, especially in a season when the starting quarterback position was a total question mark. And we saw that. We saw them go to Gavin Gunter early and we saw him you know, of course with the first game jitters, put a couple of, uh, of balls in the dirt and then eventually they you know they changed formation and then that change, which we you you know me and you've spoken on many times, that change of formation actually was very fruitful for them. Why don't you elaborate
1: on that? Oh, yeah. So, uh, well, I'll back back up a little bit. Coming into last year, they were a team that was expected to throw the ball. You know, mm-hmm. early on you had uh, Ethan Ramirez, then uh, Gianni, when he got uh, done with his uh, five-game sit-out, he was going to take over the team and, you know, be able to air out the ball. And granted, they were able to do that. But coming into this year, like you said, with the uncertainty at quarterback it literally left a lot of questions in the air on how they were going to be able to accomplish what they did last year as far as throwing the ball. But then they go into this wing T formation where they have like three running backs out in one formation and then the quarterback gets to pick and choose who he's going to hand the ball off to. And at first, it looked like they had not run that formation before because the defensive ends were like really attacking and getting the tackles behind uh, the line of scrimmage. Mm Mm-hmm. But then something changed and the the linemen were able to pick up their blocks. And you've seen Gavin, you know, run for a touchdown on fourth down. You've seen Javante Wall break for a 75-yard touchdown run, you know, and it started to build a momentum for the Bears. And we had talked about coming into the season, do the Bears need to go to a running attack because they have so much talent? when it comes to their skill positions, as far as Maurice Glass, Javante Wall. And then you even got to see a little bit of Jalil Bishop, who, you know what? He did pretty dang good himself. I had never seen him uh, run the ball in a game before, and he was holding his own. And I think overall, despite what the score says, I knew that coming in, it was going to be a tough feat for the Bears mm-hmm. to try to even pick up a win, let alone keep it close. There was a time it was 28 to 14 and the Bears had the momentum. You talk about the referees making, you know, uh, some drastic calls that kind of killed the momentum for the Bears. But I think overall, as long as the Bears can execute that run game on offense, maybe it will develop a little bit of a pass game later on in the season. I think they're going to be okay. You know, I think they're going to be just fine. I, I don't I wouldn't hit the panic button on them yet. Granted, there's some things that they have to tighten up on the defensive end. But when you're playing a team that can not only air it out, but they have a running back that can take it to the house. I mean, uh, Mason Cade uh, for Sabino, at the first drive, I think, rushed for 86 yards. Mm -hmm. You know, he had a majority of that drive uh, come from him. But it's just a a tough team to stop. Uh, I think uh, me and Rodney Cox from game time, we were talking about it. Sabino is like the Kansas City Chiefs. They have that high-powered offense. Now you have to ask your defense to make a couple of stops, and they did that with the Bears, and they were able to kind of eventually, you know, put them away in the second half. But like I said, I do like the fight from the Bears. I expected uh, some first game uh, rust, you know, a lot of penalties, and and so you know they had that. But at the same time, I don't see the same players like last year who were hanging their heads or blaming each other or, you know, having really costly penalties for not thinking about the team first. This group is a different group, and I I think that they're going to be pretty good come uh, the latter part of the season.
0: So you feel like they'll be more receptive after this type of loss?
1: Yeah, most definitely. You know, I know that they got a little bit banged up here and there. I know that kids got some unsportsmanlike penalties, but it was a very aggressive game. You know, the penalties were not just coming on Coolidge's side. It was coming on Sabino's side as well. So I think as long as they can keep coming together as a team, they trust one another, and they can help each other out, they're, they're going to win some games this year. I do uh, expect them to uh, have more than three wins like they did last year for sure.
0: When we went over our picks, we, we definitely had uh, Coolidge over three wins. But I, I, I think that they'll do a lot better in this next game, uh, this coming week. But let's talk about another team in the 3A Central Region who was victorious in their game. The Florence Gophers hosted the Gilbert Christian Knights and took them down 42-28. to 28. What were
1: some things that surprised you or didn't surprise you in a way about this game? Um, the thing that didn't surprise me is that Josh Jackson is the truth, man. Like The kid ran for, I believe, over 260 yards Uh, It might be a little bit more, a little bit less. But four touchdowns on top of that had an interception on defense. But you know what? He carried the Florence Gophers to victory that game. And I would not expect anything different. That's where they were very successful last year. You know, I know he got a little bit banged up uh, throughout the season where he had to sit out a couple of games. But that's where the Florence Gophers are the best. If Josh Jackson can take over a game, run the ball like we know he knows how it's going to set up somebody like Logan Stenson, who is a great quarterback himself and be able to find some open receivers because what's going to happen is now the defense is going to fill the box to try to stop uh, Josh. And you're going to see Logan kind of go over the top. The thing that kind of surprised me was how close the game was, you know, Florence jumped out early 14 to zero I thought that, you know, uh they were gonna put him away early, but there was a time where it was a very close game. I think it was twenty-eight mm-hmm. twenty-one going into the second half. So that kind of surprised me. You know, that makes me wonder, you know, how good is Gilbert Christian? Or, you know, maybe was it the youth on their defense? Because we know that last year Florence lost quite a bit of people, but either way, picking up a victory on what is now a new three eight team in Gilbert Christian. It's something that they can definitely take into their next game coming up, which is going to be a tough one. What about you? Like, is there anybody else that kind of stood out to you or was a surprise for you? Not necessarily
0: any surprises. I would say that they definitely completed the task that I thought they would do, which is put away the Gilbert Christian Knights. But they put them away with a score that definitely surprised me. I thought that it would be a lot closer because the Gilbert Knights of old wouldn't you know, wouldn't be the type of team to come out so slow, but with it being the first game of the season and the storied history behind the Gophers would probably, you know, give the team a little bit more of a jitters, especially coming into Florence. We know what type of environment the Florence Gophers create in that city whenever it's time for football. I think that was the only surprise to me. I think that there's definitely going to be a whole lot of resurgence in that city when it comes to the sport of football they have a really good schedule this year. When I look at it, there there's not much room for failure on there. And the way that Coach Hart leads this team, they're unbeatable, bro. Like mm-hmm. they they have so much depth. And you got you got to give credit to their program. You know, starting from their elementary school to just pick out those athletes and be able to 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 build them up and put those them pipelines. in these programs. Yes, th- that's. One thing that that city does tremendously well, they do a lot of things well, but that's one thing that I will give them high praise on. There's a lot of players. You, you mentioned Josh Jackson, Logan Stenson. There's a lot of other players that are key contributors that, that don't necessarily get that, that shine. And I'm talking about guys like Isaiah Martinez and Kanan and Neil. like mm-hmm, guys that are definitely. there that will be spark plugs in the game and vocal leaders on the sideline. And, Florence is going to be a tough team for everybody. Not Mm -hmm. just the 3A Central, but everybody in 3A. They're a team that we quite possibly follow all the way to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I've talked to to Nolan about this. And and Nolan G, shout out to Nolan G. He was able to capture some great footage of them in their game. It was a hell of a video. And I told him, bro, you're going to follow this team all the way. I feel like it. It's going to be that season for the Gophers because – they're no nonsense this year, and mm-hmm. year one was just the beginning for Coach Jesse Hart, and I feel like year two,
1: that work is going to pay off dividends. All right, well, let's keep it in the 3A Central and talk about a team that we knew had a lot of question marks coming into it, and that was the Santan Foothills Sabercats. Uh They went up uh, vi- to visit Dysart and unfortunately uh, lost that game 35-14 to was that a big surprise for you as far as seeing not only the score but the team that they uh faced?
0: Yeah, the 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 final score was definitely a surprise because when I saw it, I thought it was flipped. I thought that the Sabercats had put away the Dysar Demons decisively. But that just wasn't the case. I, I feel uh this isn't just a telling of what the season is gonna be like for the Sabercats, because one thing that coach mentioned while we were there is he loves doubt, and if if that's what it takes, then I'm going to give him a little bit. That first game, I, 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 I doubted that they would lose. I thought that they would win, mm-hmm. but going into this next week, I, I don't feel like that loss has affected the way I feel like they're going to play the next team. We'll get into that next, but I, I was definitely surprised at how – the score ended mm-hmm. because I didn't get to see much of the game I, I maybe when I get a chance I'll, I will you know I'll pop in some headphones and watch some NFHS but one thing that did stand out to me was not being able to see any stats from one David Roboloth, and I'm unsure if he was injured or something maybe that's something that we should you know actually get in contact with him to see if he's okay because he was a player that we were actually hoping to get in for a He's podcast. He's a big
1: impact player.
0: But we just you know couldn't find the time because our schedules, like you mentioned before, it was just really tough to make it work. But that that was something that was really standing out to me whenever I looked at the stats.
1: Yeah, and you know, with, with Santan Foothills, it's a team that had a lot of question marks coming in. With the players and the type of players that they were losing, we questioned... Who was going to be that next person to step up? Who was going to be that leader of the team? And you know what? Keep that chemistry and keep that culture of what is now Santan Foothills football intact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was definitely a surprise for me uh, to see them drop that game because I I had them as, uh, you know, heavy favorites. And uh, even if you look at the rankings, Dysart was, you know, state ranking-wise, they were pretty below uh, Santan Foothills. But I think... Like you said, first game jitters, they have a chance to come back, you know, and, and get things going uh, for next week, but I just hope that they're able to keep themselves up, you know. I know you don't have that uh, voice in Bo Cotherman leading the charge, you know, at the beginning of the games and, you know, giving that that uh, player's speech to all his comrades before they take the field, but... But it just leaves me with big questions as to who is going to be that guy. You know, I I, I want to say that it would be a David, you know, uh, who who can uh, definitely uh, help that team elevate themselves. But at the same time, it's like they have a they have a lot to prove. Uh, you know, this next week just to show people, hey, just because we had a great season last year and we lost a, a lot of pieces, we can still be that great team that made. <clears throat> we can still be that great team that made the playoffs last year. You know, it can still happen. And, you know, the same way I believe in Coolidge is the same way I still believe in Santan Foothills. Now you're just asking kids who were not generally the stars of the team to kind of step up and say, hey, we need you now. It's your time to shine. And I, I have no doubt that they're going to uh, put the pieces together and and make a make a great season out of it.
0: And we know plenty of players on that team that can that can definitely make that jump. Let's talk about the ALA Ironwood Warriors. They hosted the Morenci Wildcats to a game that was really close. It ended with a six to zero finish in favor
1: of the Wildcats. What surprised you or what stood out to you about this game? Uh, being that you know. The stats came in a little bit later and just kind of trying to ask people, you know, what what happened that game from what it looks like is it was a game that Ironwood had, you know, but they unfortunately had uh, some costly turnovers where they weren't able to uh, punch the ball into the end zone and kind of go up on Marenzi. But what was telling of this is that either Ironwood has improved drastically or morenci has taken a big step backwards. Because morenci is a two-way powerhouse that is now up in 3A. They're in the 3A South. And to me, barely beating a team like, like ALA Ironwood who only had a couple of wins last year is very telling. And I want to say that it's more telling for ALA Ironwood that maybe people are overlooking them, including ourselves. And coming into their next game, if they can go out and dominate a game or even pick up a victory, we might need to change course when it comes to the Warriors because, like I said, to hold a Morenci team to only six points, granted, I know they didn't score themselves, and that's not going to be every game, I don't think, for ALA Ironwood. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's like, man, these guys might be, you know, a team that can surprise a lot of people. It can be that Santan Foothills team of last year. Because I did not expect this game to even be close just because of how successful Morenci was in 2A. But when you come up to 3A, it's a different ball game. You and, know what I mean? And now
0: under the completely different leadership of one coach Rashard Davis, who we know most recently won a 2A state championship with the Santa Cruz Dust Devils. So they have the ability to they have that championship pedigree in the team. But one thing, like you said, the score definitely stood out to me because it showed me that the ALA Ironwood Warriors played some really tough defense on a very good team. It was unfortunate that they weren't able to make any points happen on their end, either with field goals or a touchdown. But one thing that we've learned that's unfortunate with a lot of these teams, especially in 2A and 3A, a lot of them don't have their kicking game down. Mm -hmm. But... It would be interesting to see if ALA Ironwood takes a step forward in these next few games, or will they be plagued with this penalty bug where they'll make it as far as they can and then just get set back by their own mistakes.
1: Either way, I'm excited to see what the Warriors are going to do because, like I said, they definitely got my eyes raised when it comes into their game this week because... I'm excited to see what they can do. And granted, they didn't even attempt to pass um, last week against Morenci. So, you know, you're used to hearing the name Connor Moult come from that team and be able to air it out a little bit. But maybe that's something they incorporate into this next game. But overall, um, I think in that 3A division, you know, you had a lot of surprises, some concerning more than others. But at the same time, it's like, It's only week one, Mm -hmm. you know, but we have one more team to wrap up with was, which was our only two way team to play. And that was the new two way team in the ALA Anthem South uh, Titans who went uh, up to globe to uh, take on the Tigers and unfortunately losing 34 to zero. What were your thoughts uh, when you seen uh, that type of score? I was surprised. Mostly
0: because when we were able to see Globe in the Coolidge 7 on 7 and Big Man tournament, Globe didn't have that much of a size, but neither did ALA, excuse me, ALA Anthem South. But one thing that Globe seemed to have way more than the ALA Anthem South Titans was experience. They had mm-hmm. a couple of upperclassmen in that group that were able to acknowledge their younger classmates like when they were making a mistake. No, 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 you need to put your foot here. You need to put your hands here. You know, be more aggressive. That type of vocal leadership from your friends, your teammates, whatever you want to call them, the people in your age group is so crucial because, yeah, you can have a coach telling you something. You can have a coach yelling at you, but it's not going to get through to them as, as well as having somebody their age legit talk to them and say, hey, you know, bring them in because that's one thing that... That I feel that helped Globe win was their team has a more team feel, like they they have chemistry.
1: Yeah, they have that chemistry. No, I definitely agree, and you know I've said it uh, even when we did the schedule reveals for all of our teams. Is LA Anthem South is a new school, and you know when you drive by it, it's a lot smaller of a school than any other school in its surrounding area. So you're not gonna have much kids that can go out there and make your team great right away. You know, you have to kind of pull people certain ways, whether they're going to Santan Foothills or Florence or even post Butte up the way. And so even though they didn't score, it doesn't mean that they can't score. You know, I think that, like you said, they just need that chemistry, that time to gel together and get things going. You know, this is this is going to be, you know, a year where it's going to be a more downs than ups. But at the same time, what did we talk about certain teams last year, including ALA Anthem South? Small victories. You didn't score this week. Now the objective is to get a touchdown. You get a touchdown, you start getting some confidence in yourself. And, you know, they're going to have some opponents probably this year that they they might be able to score and they might be able to make it a game. And so for right now, you know, don't hang your heads 34 to zero. I know that's kind of, you know, diminishing on, you know, their confidence right now. But, hey, you got another week. You got a new week to prepare. Go out there and do your thing and just put some points on the board. That's all we can ask. And you know what? Let the the rest of the game kind of dictate itself. But I think once they get that going and they start – feeling confident not only about them as an individual but as a team and trusting the process of that coaching staff, you may see things kind of turn around where they're able to put up more points. Let's hope so. I got faith for the Titans. All right, so now this week coming into what we – all right, so now this week we have week two coming up. Technically a lot of uh, week ones for our 4A through uh, 6A uh, uh, divisions – but, and two of our 2A teams, don't forget. Oh, yes, we do have a, a couple of 2A teams that had their bye. So what are the games looking like this weekend? I know we got games from Thursday to Saturday, so it's going to be a, a fun-filled uh, week of football. But what does that schedule look like? Well, let's talk about our
0: Thursday games first. Up first, we have the McClintock Chargers at the Maricopa Rams. What are your thoughts on this game?
1: Uh, this is a good opportunity to see what type of team Maricopa is going to be. Uh, McClintock, to me, is a middle-of-the-pack team. They haven't really shown me a lot to make them contenders right. in, uh, in, that, in their respective division. But you know what? I want to see how much uh, Maricopa has improved. And you know what? Can they finally bounce back from that 0-10 season last year? And you know what? Make some noise. You know that that's really what I want to look like. Uh, that's really what I want to see. Is that you know what they're playing with confidence and they can go out and make their games competitive because uh, their last game of the season, I believe, against South Mountain, it was a very competitive game and they almost even pulled it out. Mm-hmm. So that that's my take on it. What about you? Who who do you have uh, possibly winning that game? I have
0: McClintock's taking this one, and I know that's going to make me sound like a hater. But until I get to know what this year's Maricopa Rams team is like, and I know that we're definitely going to get some good insight from our boy Vincent, who's going to be on the sidelines exclusively for the varsity breakdown. He's going to, you know, he's going to be doing us right as far as getting us some intel on the team and what we can look forward to as far as players that are standouts. But until then, that's the only time that I can make a positive review On the Maricopa Rams because they just haven't had any type of success in the past couple of seasons or in the seasons that we've been covering them that would give me any
1: type of hope in this fall season. No, I definitely agree. I'll take McClintock as well. But that second Thursday game, who do we got? All right. The second Thursday game will include one
0: of the teams that we had in our first matchup of the Grand Canyon Gridiron Road Tour. The Coolidge Bears will be visiting the Benjamin Franklin Chargers. Now, it doesn't get any easier. The, the Bears had a tough task in, in Sabino, and they go even further into the East Valley to travel to meet the Benjamin Franklin Chargers. How do you think this game will
1: fare for the Coolidge Bears? Um, I actually have them winning this game. Okay. I think this is a great bounce-back game. You had Ben Franklin. I mean, they beat uh, a first-year team in the uh, Crisman Rattlers. And so... That doesn't really tell me so much about that team because if you look back uh, when I picked the schedules, I have Crisman going 0-10 this year. Same. And like I said, it's not no fault to their own. It's just a new program playing in a really good region and having to play uh, 3A football, which there's lots of good teams around there. And so Ben Franklin, uh, even though they shut out Crisman, I still think that I saw a lot of holes in their game when they had their scrimmage with Santa Cruz Valley, where Santa Cruz Valley was able to move the ball on them, especially on their defensive side. And I think Sabino has the better defense. So if Coolidge can come out and dominate that run game and uh, be able to put on some points, I think they have just enough on the defensive side to uh, pick up the W over the Knights. What about yourself? I think that Coolidge may have this one as well. I feel like
0: Benjamin Franklin, like you said, even though they beat a Chrisman Rattlers team, that it, it doesn't quite equal the amount of competition that they're going to face from the Coolidge Bears. They're coming from a tough loss from the Sabino Sabercats. They're going to be on the road. In the past, they're, they've been used to taking their lickings from Benjamin Franklin, but this is a year where the script is flipped. So I feel like the Bears might go in and, and answer back on this one. It might It might not be pretty. But I still feel like they'll be coming away with the W.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Well, let's go into our Friday games. We have a, a, a packed schedule there. Uh, what is the first game you want to talk about? The first
0: game that we can discuss will be the Arate Prep Chargers versus the ALA Anthem South Titans. Now, this is going to be the first home game for the ALA Anthem South Titans. Do you feel that the Chargers will give them
1: – more or less of a challenge than the globe tigers i think they're going to give them more of a challenge you know arte is a team that they take their fair share of lickings but at the same time i think they're more well gelled than the globe tigers are and so i think that it's going to be a tough opponent even though they lost their first game um it's going to be a tough opponent for the titans you know and it's um it's a team that Normally, wouldn't get a lot of victories throughout the year. But you have a team that is inexperienced in ALA Anthem South. And you have Arate Prep, who has another year under their belt. And they were a fairly young team last year as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've seen the type of season that they had. And it wasn't pretty. But you know what? They're a team that has another year. And are, and are going to definitely make it hard for the Titans.
0: No, I definitely see some progression in the Chargers as well. I, I don't see things getting uh, any easier for ALA Anthem South in, in the future for for this fall, but I think that they'll actually be able to put up some points against the Chargers if if that shows any type of confidence for them. I know that that, that, that is key for not just them, but for every team. Mm-hmm. Because that's one thing I feel like the sabercats of sabino weren't lacking that the coolidge bears were in that first game Mm -hmm. there was some lack of confidence on the bear side that you could not see coming from sabino at all and i feel like if if the titans came into this game just knowing that they can that they're going to put up some points that they're going to do better than the last game
1: then they'll do just that all right let's move into our next game which is going to be the Douglas Bulldogs visiting the ALA Ironwood Warriors. How do you see this one, fairing Now it's a very interesting matchup between a 4A team and a 3A team. Uh, you, you just said it. It's a 4A team versus
0: a 3A team. The way it looks, if you look at it from a lens from last year, it's a struggling 4A team versus a struggling 3A team. Nonetheless, I got to give the edge to the Douglas Bulldogs on this one. One thing that you said earlier that really stood out to me in the ALA uh, Ironwood game against Morenci was they hadn't thrown a pass. If you're going to play a team like the Douglas Bulldogs, you got to be sharp on both your attacks. And, and I mean, your rushing and your are passing attack. And with ALA Ironwood not having that passing attack on point just yet to the point where they had zero passing attempts in their first game, that kind of bothers me. So, I
1: got full faith in Douglas to pull this one out. What about you? I'll definitely give the edge to Douglas. Uh, They're a team that I think is on the come up right now. You know, they are in a new region where it's very winnable. You know, they're in a region where they can build some confidence in playing some uh, 4A teams that are at their level. And so, with you saying ALA Ironwood, with being a team that's also trying to make a come up, I would give the edge to them just based off of experience. But let's not underestimate ALA Ironwood because last year, remember how many opponents they lost to that were very close. That includes 3A and 4A teams as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to sit there and be surprised if ALA Ironwood is able to pull this one out. Just as of right now, I'm going to give the edge to Douglas.
0: All right. Well, let's take a step back and talk about our two-way teams that are going to be making their week one appearances. First being the Santa Cruz Dust Devils, who will be hosting the Trivium Prep Knights. What do you feel the Santa Cruz Dust Devils need to do in this game to come
1: away as winners? Set the tone. You know, you have the experience. You have, you know, some offensive firepower. We know uh, how much Trivium Prep struggled last year, especially against really good 2A opponents. Set the tone. You know, I don't think that this is a a game that they really have to be worried about too much, but at the same time, you know what? You want to go out there and show that you guys are back. You know, I know last year might not have been the season that they hoped for. You know, they were right around 500, but at the same time, Now they're trying to get back to that two-way state championship and be able to say, hey, you know what? We may have had a couple of bad years, but now we're back. So I think right here, you kind of pretty much put it on them. I don't expect this game to be close uh, as as far as the way both teams are and, you know, with the firepower that Santa Cruz has. So I think right now is a game that you got to prove that you are a team that is, ready to take that next step again.
0: You're the Trivium Prep Knights. Who is the key player that you have in your sights on that opposite team?
1: It has to be Nathan Harris. He uh, not only has a couple more weapons uh, at wide receiver, you know, I know that he's going to be confident handing the ball off to Jonathan Ramos. But at the same time, now Santa Cruz has this amazing aerial attack where they can be a team that spreads it out all over the place, and it's going to be tough for uh, other uh, opponents to stop them. So keep an eye on Nathan Harris. I won't be surprised if he has a field day uh, come Friday night.
0: No, I 100% agree with you. I have Santa Cruz coming away as the winners. It's not going to be close, and Nathan Harris is my guy to watch in that game. Now, the next two-way team is going to be the Sequoia Pathway Pumas taking the long trip. Down to play the Benson Bobcats. Do you think that Sequoia Pathway has to prepare for a really tough loss? Or is this going to be a game that is going to be pretty evenly matched?
1: Well, Benson uh, lost their first game to Bisbee, which was a big surprise to me. But the fact that they lost it pretty decisively was an even bigger surprise. But unfortunately, I don't think that Sequoia Pathway has the pieces yet to compete with a team like Benson even though Benson kind of they they have a lot of question marks uh, you know they they just recently replaced their long-term coach uh, just last year and so their whole wing T you know running down your throat type of offense is gone you know as much as I want to question that I think that they still have enough in order to pick up a victory over Sequoia Pathway and it's just what I saw from Sequoia pathway at their scrimmage it's a it's a very young team I, I believe uh, someone told us that they only have two players from last year on that squad and they weren't even starters so it just shows you how young it shows you how young the Pumas are and I think that that's going to be the deciding factor right there what about yourself
0: I think that very well will be that the fact that they're starting off with a fresh new team and even though the Benson Bobcats didn't fare well last week against Bisbee, I think that it's it's going to be a tough climb for the Pumas to even get any numbers on Benson on their home field. But moving on, let's talk about the Desert Sunrise Golden Hawks taking on the Glendale Cardinals. What are your thoughts on this game?
1: Um, it's going to be a very tough first game. Glendale, you know, is a, is a pretty good team. I wouldn't say that they're a dominant team by any means but at the same time desert sunrise is going to have to play without a lot of players due to transfers so that kind of lightens the depth on your team and you're asking a lot of players to fill in for these first five games that wouldn't probably normally start if the transfers didn't have to sit out so desert sunrise being a new team they're going to get introduce right away, you know, to 4A football, it's going to be a tall ask of them to say that they can pick up a victory, uh, especially against a team like Glendale. Would you agree or disagree with me on that no,
0: one? No, I 100% agree with you on this one. It, it's going to be a really tough challenge for the Golden Hawks in their first season. We always have that optimism for all of our teams, whether it's their first season or not, that they're, they're going to be able to come away with the win. But it's going to be really tough. We can't say anything is going to be easy for Desert Sunrise this season. And the only thing we can do is wish them the best. And we know that they got a lot of good players on that roster that are definitely capable of making some noise to get them up to that level. But let's digress into the Combs Coyotes taking on the Catalina Foothills Falcons all the way down in Tucson. Who do you think will come away as winners in this match?
1: This one's actually a lot tougher. You know, I've been going back and forth on this game, and to me, it, it's a toss-up. I'm kind of tied between the two, but I'm going to roll with uh with my home team. I'm going to roll with the Coyotes. You know, uh, what we've seen of them is that they're a team like Florence, has a lot of depth, has a lot of experience, uh, you know, of kids that played uh, the varsity level. And I think Catalina Foothills is one of those Tucson teams that are trying to Um, make a name for themselves and try to get included with those top 4A teams. But, you know, something's telling me give uh, Combs Coyotes a chance, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to trust in them that they're going to be able to handle business uh, against the Falcons. What about yourself?
0: I got the same type of faith in the Coyotes. I I don't think that – I don't feel like they'll have any effects of first-game jitters in that game against Catfoot. I think that they're going to come away from this game – with a big victory.
1: Uh, okay. That I, I I thought it was going to be closer. So, you know, for you to say that, is, that's some good confidence over there uh, having for Combs. All right. So let's move into uh, the next game, which is going to be the Apache Junction prospectors who are going to be uh, facing the Peoria Panthers. So an interesting team, uh, Apache Junction, lost some key pieces last year do you think that they have enough to go down to Peoria and pick up the victory?
0: I think that they do. I feel like even though they lost three major key contributors of their success from last year's team, I think that the way that Coach Binkley has this team rolling, that they'll be able to just move into this season and continue that same type of football.
1: No, I definitely agree with you. I think that Apache Junction can definitely uh, pick apart a Peoria team. I think Peoria's... Another team that's slowly on the rise, but still doesn't have enough to uh, compete with the prospectors. So I'm going to take AJ to uh, pick up that victory, but let's go into the Vista Grande Spartans. Uh, They're going to be on the road and traveling all the way down to Rio Rico. How do you see that one Farron? we've seen the successes, uh, you know, from the Spartans last year going on a tremendous win streak, longest one in school history and they got a lot of pieces coming back. Is this a good start for uh, Vista Grande, or do you think that Rio Rico can compete with them?
0: I think, okay, two things. I think that Rio Rico can compete with them, but I'm really excited for what the Vista Grande Spartans are going to be able to bring to football this season. Like you said, they have a bunch of key people returning. One of them in particular that I'm really looking forward to and he's he's got our numbers, so we know exactly what to expect from him. Young Fernando Moya. The running back is going to be much more elusive this season. I feel like he'll be able to explode more on the field and be not only a leader for the Spartans, but be a leader in statistical categories in the state.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I definitely agree. It's going to be a big year uh, for the Spartans. I think that their team is, is gelling really good. You know, Coach Roberts has them confident coming into this year. And it's more so, uh, I believe he said, they're treading in unknown territory. You know, nobody expected them to do what they did last year. And now they want to do it again. And not only that, they want to ne- make a name for themselves in their region and also make a name for themselves in 4A and hopefully be able to uh, make it to the playoffs. I know that's the big goal.
0: Well, if you look at a lot of these players on their social media, they have that state championship mentality. And that's a big sign coming from a team that didn't even have the playoffs in their sights. Now, they're not even looking forward to that game. They're looking forward to having a 15, 16-game season where they make it all the way and they get to raise a trophy above their heads at the end of the season. And I got all the confidence in the Vista Grande Spartans that they hopefully make that happen in the 4A.
1: Well, let's dive into... Our 5A game, our only 5A game on Friday, which is going to be a big reunion here as the Casa Grande Cougars are gonna head down to Corona del Sol and take on uh, Coach Barrow and the Aztecs. How are you feeling about this game right here? Because you know as much as we want to say that these two teams probably shouldn't be playing each other, you know, maybe it's just for storyline. What, what are your thoughts on it? You know, how, how do you expect the Cougars to come in and, and try to pick up a victory here?
0: Well, you saw me just rub the bridge of my nose so hard. I, so many emotions come up when I see this game on the schedule. One, I'm kind of upset that we can't go to this game or that we didn't make this game a, a part of the, the road tour, but our goal was to focus on Pinal County and Southern Arizona, so we wanted to keep that tight. But, Bro, like, there's so many ways that this reunion could have happened, but this probably wasn't my my best way of seeing it happen. One, because I got all the faith in Coach Luna and the Cougars. You know, we got nothing but love for them boys. But them going up to face the tough competition of Corona Del Sol. Bro, these guys were in the discussions last year for the Open Tournament. You don't get in that you know in those discussions being a slouch, Coach Barrow leads championship teams, and we've seen that. We've been we've been fortunate enough to see that in the past. I feel like the Cougars definitely have a shot of putting points on the board, but I feel like the Aztecs are just coming in this one way too strong.
1: Yeah, it's a tough first game uh, for the Cougars, who you know. They got thrown to the Wolves last year when it came to their schedule and the region that they were in. But now that they're in a, a better region that kind of fits them as far as they that they're in a, in a region that kind of is at their level when it comes to 5A competition, to be asked to go and take on a 6A team of that caliber your first game, it, it's tough. You know, uh, not saying that I don't have confidence in this team because this is really the only loss I see them having this year. Same. But I just hope that these teams come away healthy because that's how good Corona Del Sol is. Not saying I don't have any confidence in the world uh, for the Cougars, but this is a tone setter, you know. And I think coming away from this game, they're going to have a lot of confidence going into the remainder of their schedule because to me, it kind of gets easier after that. And so if they're able to compete with Corona del Sol, the Cougars couldn't make some noise here in the five, a and make it back to the playoffs. It just, it sucks that it has to be your first game and the circumstances are what they are. The previous coach playing his old team and his old players that he led to a state championship. But I wish them uh, nothing but the best on that game. And you know what? Who knows? I'm going to just sit there and say, who knows? At the end of the day, first games come with a lot of rust. They come with a lot of mistakes. And maybe the Cougars can take advantage of that.
0: And I'm hoping that they can. Now let's talk about our Saturday games. Now these two games will emanate from the walk-up Sky Dome at NAU. The first of this doubleheader will be the santan Foothill sabercats taking on the Tempe Buffalos. What do you think about this match for the Sabrecats? Do you think that they'll be able to correct their woes of week one, or will they fall
1: into that same pattern? Um, I think this is a game that they can bounce back on. You know, uh, Tempe is a, definitely an improved team. I just think at the same time, uh, this is going to be a big game for the Sabrecats where it's like, hey, we got to prove that we are the team that we were last year. You know, we can't let that loss against Dysart affect us. So let's go out and show that, you know what, we're still that team. Even though that they're younger and that they have to kind of gel again, this is the team you want to do it against. It's a team like Tempe, who has not had a record that says, you know what, that's a team that is doing good this year and when I mean that they're an improved team I mean that they have a lot of returning players so they shouldn't be that walkover team that they were in previous years when we first started this so I'm I'm going to give the edge to Santana Foothills and that's just based on I know what type of team that they are and they have the abilities to beat a team like Tempe I'm
0: with you 100% I'm I'm fully behind the Sabercats on this one I feel like even though that Tempe is under a different direction, when they collide with the Sabercats, I feel like the Sabercats will be able to get right back on track.
1: And the final game uh, for that uh, NAU walk-up Skydome uh, matchups, you have Valley Christian and the Florence Gophers going head-to-head, which could possibly be a future playoff game. How do you see this one coming out? I got this one going
0: in favor of the Gophers the way that they've played in this first game and shown that type of confidence in their play the venue isn't going to matter the team that they're playing is going to be tough but it's going to be nothing for the gophers to come away from this one as victors the, it'll it, it'll be back and forth don't 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 get me wrong i see that look it'll be back and forth but the gophers will come away from this one as winners
1: Okay, well, I think we'll have our first disagreement of the night. I think uh, Valley Christian is a top five 3A team. They proved that last year. I know they got some good pieces coming back. So I'm going to give them the edge over the Gophers. It's going to be a great game no matter what. I just think right now you have a team like Valley Christian who went further than uh, the Gophers last year in the playoffs, and they're trying to get right back there. They're trying to pick up this big victory against Florence to, to say, you know what, we are definitely one of the best teams in 3A. And so I think that they're going to go in with a lot of confidence. And so that's why I think that I have to give the edge to Valley Christian is just because of that experience and how successful they were last year.
0: And they They did have a little bit of success last year, but one thing that stands out to me is that their losses came against really, really tough teams. Talking about teams like Sholo and Push Ridge. And, and you mentioned they made it further than Florence did in the playoffs. And they lost to Thatcher, who was eventually the runner-up in the state championship game. But looking at the rest of their schedule, they played ALA West Foothills. Seton Catholic, a team that they beat 49-0. The, the one game that really stands out to me on this one and the, the score is reminiscent of the Coolidge and Florence game from last year is the Arizona College Prep. That is probably the toughest team on their schedule that they, they were able to eke out a win on. But I got that type of confidence in, in the Gophers right now. It, it, if for some reason the Trojans were able to put it on them and, and make me look foolish, you know I have no problem giving them their props. One thing I won't do is put down the Gophers in a situation where I actually feel like they can come away as winners.
1: Oh, and I'm not putting them down by any means. I think that they could definitely pick up a victory. I'm just going based off of what they have coming into this year. Gilbert Christian is not no Valley Christian team. Mm -hmm. Valley Christian. If you want to talk about Arizona college prep, they're a team that is favored to win their region this year in 4A. But at the same time, Valley Christian beat them. They beat a 4A team. Yeah, they they get blown out by Thatcher and Pushridge. Those were the top teams that were ahead of them. You know, so for me to see that uh, Florence pick up a victory against Gilbert Christian, who's a first-time 3A team, only by two touchdowns, I can't give them the edge in this game when a team has ran through not only their whole region, but at the same time picked up victories against quality 4A opponents so that's why I'm going to give the edge to uh, Valley Christian and uh, but we'll see we're definitely going to be uh, watching that one on NFHS for sure because it's going to be a a very very good game and who knows we might even end up showing up there uh, come uh, Saturday morning if we decide to take the trip but let's go down into our game of the week which uh, we're going to be broadcasting on our YouTube channel and that's the Micah Mountain Thunderbolts taking on the Post and Butte Broncos. Last year, we know what happened between this two these two teams. The Broncos uh, won 40-0. Do you see that same thing happening this year? Or do you think that Micah Mountain might actually give them a run for their money?
0: I think that Micah Mountain might actually give them a run, but I still got Post and Butte coming out on top on this one. One thing that I noticed from being able to be at their hype night and shout out to booster president, Ashley Lloyd for inviting us to their hype night. Those boys grew a lot mm-hmm. and, and standing next to Jakai being able to, to take his headshot and, and just catch up with him for a little bit. He he definitely shot up a couple inches and he looks a lot thicker than he did last season. Him making that position change into the, the backfield is going to be huge for Post and Butte. What do you you think about this
1: game? I'm going to give the edge to Post and Butte. I know this is a big year for Micah Mountain. This is kind of like their first set of uh, kids that are going from uh, the start of Micah Mountain's existence to now uh, being a lot of seniors on this team. So I know they have some high expectations, but I think everything's going to boil down to Post and Butte's defense. They're trying to keep that same hard-hitting defense. You know, you got Ja'Kai uh, back there at safety who picked off seven balls last year. So they're gonna. their main focus is to make that defense as strong as possible and make things a little bit easier for their offense, who lost some key pieces. But the thing about Coach uh, Dane Thompson, I always say it about him, he's a running back guru. You know, it doesn't matter what kid is out there ready to to be the starter of that team. But he knows how to develop great running backs. And when you got a good defense and you got a good run game, you're hard to beat. And so I think it's going to boil down to can Post and Butte's defense stop Micah Mountain's offense? And if that's the case, uh, I got the Broncos picking up a victory there.
0: It's definitely going to be an interesting game to broadcast. I know that. I can't wait to go out to that field and and, and be in the stands and see what the Broncos are able to bring as far as their crowd hype and their energy. Uh, It's going to be a completely different year with with a lot of those notable seniors from last year missing, but being able to talk to Coach Thompson after that hype night gave us a little bit more insight that he's still confident in this team. Absolutely. That even though that he lost real big contributors from his team last season, That his confidence in this team has not swayed one bit
1: that's what is great about this program and coach uh, Dane Thompson and his staff is it's always next man up you know and it now it's time for these kids to shine you know they might have had to sit back a little bit last year and allow the seniors to do their thing but hey it's your time to get going but Either way it goes, it's going to be a great week of football. You got football Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So make sure if you guys don't have like an NFHS account and you want to watch football, kind of chime in, you know, and uh, get yourself a subscription there. You know, uh, it's very affordable to me, you know, because I like watching a lot of football and it allows me to sit here and be able to have great conversations with you. So I know uh, come tonight, I'm going to go out to Ben Franklin to watch uh, Coolidge play just because we have a, a free night where we're not really doing anything. So I'm going to go check them out. And then on Friday, you got some great games. And then, like I said, Saturday, I'll probably be trying to in into NFHS to watch the games up at NAU. But uh, if you guys are interested in watching that Micah Mountain versus Post and Pew game, please uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's So AZVB Network where we're teaming up with Chris Kidney uh, down in uh, Southern Arizona. He's covering those teams. Of course, we cover our Pinal County teams. And we're trying to bring you a great broadcast, a great show, to be able to bring awareness to uh, these two great teams. And not only these teams, but the remaining teams on our schedule. So I know it's going to be a fun year of football. But before we go, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. All right. Give me one game you have as a no-doubter. And one game where you can see a team pick up an upset. Whether it's our team's or not. Mm. Put you on the spot, didn't I? Super.
0: Okay, so my no-doubter is going to be... Okay, my no-doubter is going to be the RTA prep chargers over the ALA Anthem South Titans. And my game where we might see an upset or or see a score at the end of the night on Friday and be like, Really? is going to be the Maricopa Rams beating the McClintock Chargers.
1: I like that. that that's a good pick. That's a good pick. What were you thinking? Uh, so my no-doubter is going to be the Benson Bobcats beating the Sequoia Pathway Pumas. My upset is going to be the ALA Ironwood Warriors knocking off the Douglas Bulldogs. That would be a good one if it happens, bro. I'm definitely looking forward to
0: seeing what's going to happen this Friday. It was a lot of fun, though, huh? It, it, yeah, the way you put me on the spot. The people will never hear this, but there was a lot of time in between me trying to figure out which one's going to be my definite lock. But, yeah, th- th- this Friday is going to be epic for us to be out at and Butte. I'm looking forward to a lot more student athletes. One thing that we didn't get to mention earlier, but I would like to give a huge thank you out right now is Cedric of Get It In Apparel. He was able to furnish the players of the week with some great Get It In Apparel gear. And we also gave them some helmet decals so that way they can sport those for the rest of the season. So in this next game with Poston Butte and Micah Mountain, we're going to be looking for two athletes, one on each side who excelled in the game and, and, and gave their team the type of effort that they need to become winners. And last week we had two, and that was Cam Hackworth and Maurice Glass. Congratulations to both those student-athletes for for showing out. And we're looking forward to the next set of
1: athletes who will be doing that for us this Friday. And we'll also be uh, present with uh, one of our sponsors, which is Mr. Rodney Cox from Game Time Recruiting and Consulting. Uh, He's going to be chiming in with us throughout the broadcast. So if you ever have any questions when it comes to Whether you're a player or whether you're a family member, if you have any questions on what it takes to get your player recruited or how to get them to the next level, he's a guy with a lot of great knowledge. And, you know, we've been blessed to be able to meet him and to finally uh, work together another year. And, uh, you know, I think he brings something new to the table. And one of the things is he's so informative, he's so approachable, and he has the best interests at heart. Uh, not only for his business, but for the players that he represents as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. If you're a parent that is looking to get your student athlete in the next level, but not sure which level best fits them, Rodney is definitely the guy to go to with that knowledge. He can be reached at Game Time Recruiting and Consulting on both Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Definitely give him a look and put that same type of trust in him that you do with
1: us. Oh, without a doubt. And we'll have a couple of uh, other uh, sponsors that we're going to show throughout the broadcast. One of them is ScoreStream. If you guys don't have the app, uh, I know MaxPreps a lot of people go to. But ScoreStream definitely helps people like us who are trying to stay updated with the scores that are going on around the league. Download the app. If you're at a game, update your team's score. And you know what? We'll definitely put it on the show and talk about it uh, throughout the broadcast. And if you get a chance, you're down in Tucson, Wingsy Mas is a new uh, wing spot out there. Have some great uh, choices of wings. I've been there a few times already. Uh, They do a wing of the month. I think currently is uh, Hot Limon is their flavor of the month. Go out and try it. And, you know, that we wanted to partner with them because they, they are a small uh, business that, you know, entrusting us to help promote uh, them. But at the same time, you know, they're going to do something for us, which is actually stream the games live over there. So if you can't make it down to Post and Butte tonight, go uh go stop in, grab yourself some wings. Uh, they got some good drinks there and uh, enjoy the game because I know that they're going to be uh, streaming it as well there.
0: Yeah, definitely looking forward to going down to Tucson and checking out Wingsy Moss. And and a lot of things to look forward to this week, brother. But is there anything else that you have on your mind to close out the show?
1: No, sir. I think I'm good. I'm glad to be back. And football's here, brother. Football is here, bro. Well, if you ain't got nothing else, say it. Take it easy.